I'm going to talk to you today about your belief system, why you believe and what you believe. Because we all believe things about everything. We have beliefs about, uh, whether, whether right or wrong, we believe something about our marriages, about how I'm supposed to treat my spouse. We have beliefs about our finances, whether I could actually pay off a mortgage and be debt-free, not have a, uh, be able to own a home and not have a mortgage. Uh, we have uh, beliefs about if somebody's on medicine, can I ever get off this medicine? Can I be healed in my body? Uh, we have beliefs about uh, whether I can actually live free from stress, free from worry, free from depression, all these different things that we uh, believe about personal in our lives, whether we're smart, whether we're dumb, uh, whether we have the ability to do something or not have the ability, uh, whether people like us or don't like us, you know, whether I su can succeed or, or not succeed. We all, we all believe things about everything. I wrote down some other definitions of the word believe. Uh, it means to trust, to have faith in, to be certain of, to can be, be convinced of something. It's a persuasion to have confidence in, to accept something as true, or to rely upon. Um, but I'm going to specifically, when we talk about believing, I'm going to specifically deal with what you believe about God, what you believe about His Word, and what you believe about His ways. Um, you know, when we incorporated our ministry back in 1984, I started preaching before them, but in 1984, uh, we incorporated Larry Hutt Ministries, and we wrote down a verse of Scripture, Mark chapter 9, verse 23, which says, If you can believe, all things are possible to the one that will believe. In other words, you don't have to believe, but if you, if you go ahead and believe, then things that are impossible for man all of a, all of a sudden become possible for you. All things are possible. That word believe there in Mark 9, 23 is the Greek word pistiu. It means to, uh, to believe in uh, a person or thing. It comes from the Greek word pistis, which is where we get the word faith through the New Testament. Most of the time that word is translated faith. Um, but I wrote my own definition of faith down. But let me just read um, Strong's Concordance first of all. Um, faith in... Um, in the strong says this, a persuasion that is a moral conviction of religious truth or the truthfulness of God or a religious teacher, especially reliance upon Christ for salvation. That's what faith is. Now, I, I came up with my own definition of faith. Faith is a, um, it's a belief in God, His Word, and His ways that persuades us to believe, say, and do everything God says, even in the midst of contradictory circumstances. In essence, faith is a belief in God, His Word, and His ways that persuades us to believe and say and do everything God says, in other words, regardless of what things look like. Am I going to believe this when it doesn't look like it's working? And I've been watching Christians, man. I've been traveling now. I've continued traveling when this Wuhan virus came out and, and through March and April and May and June, I've continued to travel. Now, I felt like I owned the airlines at first. <laughs> Hardly anybody else on the planes besides me. Um, but I continued to travel and preach. But I just started seeing 
Christians operating in fear. And I thought, wait a minute, I thought we're believers. Do we believe what we say we believe when we're in church, or are we just, are we just being religious? Do what we believe, do, does it really work in our lives? Do we have Jesus in us, the hope of glory? Can we lay hands on the sick and see them recover? That's the first thing I did when this thing, whole thing broke out is I always run to the Word whenever a problem arises. So I run to the Word and I went through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John to see what Jesus did when incurable diseases and contagious diseases came around. He ran into them. He ran into the midst of them. He laid hands on the sick. He wasn't afraid to touch people. I thought, okay, 1 John 2, 6 says, I'm to walk even as he walks, so I'm going to just take the healing power of God. People said, oh, my goodness, you mean you, you would actually touch somebody with the, with the Wuhan virus? I said, are you kidding me? Of course I would. I'd get them healed. <laughs> but that's because I believe. I'm not a believer just in name. I live what I preach. I preach what I live. This is real. This is life. In Him I live. In Him I move. In Him I have my being all the time, 24-7, 365. I don't care if all hell breaks loose. I'm not changing based on what the world dictates. It has to change based on what I dictate. And I say, it is written. I get so excited about that. This is a time for Christians to come alive like we've never come alive. This is just a precursor of what's going to happen in the tribulation before we're snatched out of here or after we're snatched out of here. Tribulation can't happen until we're snatched out. But this is just a precursor. I mean, it's just lining up everything because people, they're told you got to do this and you got to do that. You got to do this. And oh, you take this mark and here, take this injection and we'll, we'll, we'll put a little thing in you. You don't even know it's in you. And then we'll be able to track you and we'll be able to do this. And we'll be, it's all a setup for one world government and all this stuff. And by the way, what's happening in Israel and the Middle East and everything. Do you guys know Joe Morris? Oh, he was just here. Well, you know what I'm talking about then, man. God is lining things up, man. We are in the last of the last days. You know, whether it's six or eight years from now or whether it's two, we don't know how quickly it's, but it, we're, we're in the last minutes of the last days. It is so fun to be alive in this time if you're a believer. I'm talking about a practicing believer, not just one in word only. But if you're a believer, this is a time for us to let our light so shine before the world so that they see our good works and they glorify our Father in heaven. Amen. Come on. Man. What a time. What a time for us. What a time for us to be alive. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. All right. Did you find 1 Thessalonians chapter 1? You know, I, I, I see I, ha I have this list I wrote down. I'm just going to tell you this, too, because I told the first group. But somebody asked me one time, so why is faith so important? Why do you got to preach on faith all the time? And up out of me came these reasons. Well, and by the way, these are all scriptures. Why is faith important? Well, you can't please God without it. You can't be saved without it. You can't be filled with the Spirit without it. You can't live the Christian life without it. You can't walk the Christian walk without it. You can't stand fast without it. You can't receive the promise of God without it. You can't fight a good fight without it. You can't walk in victory and overcome the world without it. You can't resist the devil without it. You can't stop Satan's fiery darts without it. You can't receive God's wisdom without it. You can't walk free from sin without it. And you can't finish your course and walk and, and uh, uh, run the race without it. Is that enough reasons that faith is important? 
No? Okay, I'll keep going. Uh, so you can, you can use faith to receive physical healing. You can use faith to receive miracles. You can use faith to deliver people from evil spirits. By the way, these are all verses of Scripture. You can use faith to bring comfort to people. You can use faith to prosper. You can use faith to meet other needs in your life. It takes faith to receive forgiveness. It takes faith to forgive other people. Faith will bring your hopes and desires into reality. Faith will remove obstacles in your life. Faith gives you access into all of God's grace. Hallelujah. Faith is a fundamental, fundamental and foundational principle of the doctrine of Christ. Faith is a gift from God. Jesus is going to be looking for faith when he returns from the earth. And last but not least, Jesus said, have faith in God. Amen. Is that enough reasons to believe why faith is important? Glory to God. So, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, if you found 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Uh, verse 1 is a greeting from Paul and Silvanus and Timothy to the church of Thessalonica. Verse 2 and 3, Paul said, Men, we're always giving thanks for you, praying for you. And then he mentions three things that for your work of faith, labor, love, patience of hope. Verses 6 and 7, Paul said, You followed us. You became examples to all the believers of Macedonia and Achaia. Now look at verse 8. Verse 8, Paul makes this statement. I'm reading from the New King James. For from you... The word of the Lord has sounded forth, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. Your faith toward God has gone out so that we don't need to say anything. Whoa, look at that last sentence there. Your faith toward God has gone out so that we don't need to say anything. In other words, everywhere you've gone, you've demonstrated how faith in God works. They've seen your faith in God, and now they know how to live by faith because of your example. Now, that's a powerful testimony right there. People watch you live, and they learn how to walk by faith with God. That's pretty cool. Then if you jump over to chapter 3 with me, jump over to chapter 3 and look at what he says. It's interesting. In verse 2, he said, We sent Timothy to establish you and to encourage you concerning your faith. Well, man, I thought their faith was already arrived, man. They're, they were living by faith so much that Paul said, we don't even need to say anything because your faith is such an example. And now he says, we sent Timothy to establish you and encourage you concerning your faith. So even though their faith was accomplishing great things, Paul said that their faith needed to be strengthened and encouraged. Sounds like none of us have arrived, huh? Then he says, look at verse 5. Verse 5, I sent to know your faith lest by some means the tempter had tempted you and our labor would be in vain. So that lets us know that even though our faith is producing great results, Satan, the tempter, is going to come along and try and shut it down. Then, if you skip down to verse 10, Paul said, We're praying every day and night to come see you so that we can perfect what is lacking in your faith. The word lacking means deficit in the Greek. So, what, in other words, you still need more understanding. You still need something because something's lacking. And he said, I've come to perfect what is lacking. The word perfect means to complete thoroughly, to repair, or to adjust. To complete thoroughly, to repair, or to adjust. So, I'll take those three definitions. That tells us that uh, we haven't arrived. We need more understanding to complete our faith. Uh, to be more thorough with our faith, and then to repair, uh, that just means that maybe you've been through some things where you feel battered and bruised and ready to quit and give up on your faith altogether. God can repair your faith, man. He can make you all new again, make you feel like you're off the showroom floor ready to go tackle the world with your faith. And then there's times where it says uh, adjustment, an adjustment to your faith. You know, everything's going along good. 
not great, but good. And God sees, you know, I need, there's a little tweaking here, a little adjustment here, a little adjustment necessary so that you're running more efficiently and effectively and getting better results just like tuning up a car. Um, 2 Thessalonians, I won't turn over there, but in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3, he said, your faith, the same people he's talking to here, your faith grows exceedingly. And I looked up those Greek words and I found out they mean to... Uh, uh, rise above ordinary degree, to go beyond the ordinary with your faith. I don't know about you. I, wanna, I don't want just ordinary faith. I want to go extraordinary, extraordinary faith. Can I hear an amen? Amen. So we're going to talk about uh, this faith. Um, obviously, if he says our faith can be extraordinary, then we ought to want extraordinary faith. Uh, also, in Luke chapter 18, verse 8, uh, Paul said when he comes to earth, or, or not Paul, but Jesus said when he comes to earth, will he find faith on the earth? That tells me he's going to be looking for it. So I, I don't want to learn and understand more about faith just knowing Jesus is going to be looking for it. And then if that doesn't satisfy you, then you go to 2 Timothy 4, 7 where Paul says, I fought the good fight, I've finished the race, and I have kept the faith. Then we ought to want to understand as much as we can about our belief system, what we're believing and why we're believing, and then apply it to every area. Not, not just, okay, we're just talking about faith. No, I'm talking about what do you believe about how you treat your spouse? Are you using faith in God for that? What about for your money? What about for your uh, physical body? Are you believing God or are you just going along with what they say? And what, you know, well, it's hereditary. Well, it's genetics. Well, uh, yeah, okay. Well, whose report are you believing then? What are you believing and why are you believing what you're believing? We need to be believing God. You know, Jude, Jude only has one letter in it. There's not a bunch of chapters. It's just the one. And in Jude, he actually writes about the day that we're living in right now where there's going to be lots of false teaching and lots of immorality in the church. Jude says that. But in verse 3, he says this. He said, um, we need to contend earnestly for the faith. That tells me then, if, we, if, we, if he's telling us in this day that we're living in with all this junk going on, that we need to contend earnestly, that means there are things contending earnestly trying to shut our faith down, trying to shut us up, trying to keep us from living the way we're supposed to as children of light and children of life. Wow. So we're going to talk about this this morning and tonight. It's a two-part message that God's given me for you guys. So we're going to pursue wisdom... Uh, understanding in our belief system and the values of our belief system and what we're believing. But you're going to have to do like uh, 1 Peter 5, 5, where, where the Lord says, God resists the proud and gives grace to the who? To the humble. We're going to have to humble ourselves. And so if he gives grace to the humble, we know by grace are you saved through what? Through faith. So it's going to take faith to receive grace, but you got to humble yourself to receive grace. That means you got to humble yourself and admit, I don't know it all. When it comes to hearing even this subject about faith or believing God, um, people a lot of times, especially if we've been in good churches like you guys, have an awesome Bible teacher and pastor, you know, a lot of times we think we know a lot, but we need to do something like I did. I wrote down something for myself. When I go to church or when I go to a meeting, I'm going to hear somebody else. I don't care if it's a young preacher that 
maybe he doesn't know a whole lot yet and he's just beginning to preach, I can learn something. I can get something. God can speak through him. Listen, God spake through a donkey under the old covenant. <laughs> so if he can speak through a donkey, he can sure speak through you and me and anybody else that will yield to him, right? Which means we can learn to hear what God has to say. And so this is what I wrote down. And this should be your attitude every time you come to church to hear your pastor. Every time you go to hear any uh, other minister, this is what you should be saying. This is what I wrote down for me. I said, I only see in part and I only know in part. As I hear the word of God, I'm going to have the eyes of my understanding opened. I'm going to be filled with the knowledge of God's will for my life. God is going to bring remembrance, put me in remembrance of things that he has taught me. He's going to teach me things that I don't yet comprehend. He's going to show me uh, things in the future and things to come. And he's going to stir me up to believe better and to believe bigger. And if you have that kind of attitude every time you come to church, you'll be able to do what the Apostle Paul told the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 13, 5, and that is to examine yourselves. Let's turn over there real quick. 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse number 5. Some people don't want to examine themselves. They would rather examine the person sitting next to them <laughs> or, or examine somebody that they're not in agreement with or examine this person. No, no. God says right here in 2 Corinthians 13, 5, examine yourselves. That's what we're doing. We're doing some self-examination today. Examine yourselves. I'll read this verse from the New King James to start. 2 Corinthians 13, 5. Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus is in you? I've wanted to ask Christians that as this virus is spread. Don't you know Jesus is in you? Just like here. We need to examine ourselves. Uh, the Good News Bible says, Put yourselves to the test. And judge yourselves to find out whether you are living in faith. The New Living says, examine yourself. I like this. Examine yourself to see if your faith is genuine. Hmm. International Standard Version says, keep examining yourselves. This is something we need to do regularly. Especially when things are changing all the time. Ex keep examining yourselves to see whether you are continuing in the faith. Am I continuing in the faith when all of a sudden this thing has come against me? Or am I yielding to it? Amplified says, examine and test and evaluate your own selves to see whether you are holding to the fruit of faith and producing the proper fruits of it. And then the message says this, I really like this, test yourselves to make sure you are solid in the faith. Don't drift along taking everything for granted. Give yourselves regular checkups. You need first-hand evidence, not mere hearsay, that Jesus is in you. Test it out. And if you fail the test, do something about it. Basically, same thing James says, but be ye doers of the word, not just hearers. Isn't that good? So in our quest to perfect our faith, I'm going to take us to four verses of Scripture real quick. And you're going to see they all say the same thing, but for God to reiterate the thing over and over and over like you're going to see, even if we read the verses before, then it's just going to light, relight our fire. It's going to put us in remembrance. It's going to stir us up that I can live differently than the way the world lives. So let's turn to four verses of Scripture real quick. We're going to start in the book of Habakkuk. So if you would turn to Habakkuk. I see some of you are hesitant. It's right before Zephaniah. 
Oh, 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 this will help you. It's right after Nahum. <laughs> I'm being a booger. Okay, so if you find Matthew and go back one book to Malachi and then four books from there, go from Malachi to Zechariah to Haggai to Zephaniah and then you'll come to Habakkuk. So go back to Habakkuk. Go backwards, that, that, that way you can find it quickly. Go to Habakkuk chapter 2, and we're going to read verse 4. Habakkuk 2, 4. And it says this, Behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. The just shall live by his faith. Say that with me. The just shall live by by his faith. All right, turn to Galatians chapter 3 and verse number 11. Galatians chapter 3 and verse number 11. Galatians 3:11 says, "But that no one, no one, right? No one is justified by the law in the sight of God. It is evident, for the just shall live by faith. Say that with me. The just shall live by faith. All right, jump over to Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number 38. Hebrews 10, 38. Hebrews 10, 38 says, Now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, in other words, from living by faith, my soul will have no pleasure in him. Notice he says, The just shall live by faith. Say it with me. The just shall live by faith. All right, jump over to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1 in verse number 17. Romans 1, 17. If you're there, say amen. amen. All right, it says, for in it, Romans 1, 17, for in it, and if you go to back to verse 16, in it is talking about the gospel. In it, the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just, that's you and me, shall live by what? The just shall live by faith. Say it with me. The just shall live by faith. Now, now the word live here is not talking about your physical body breathing and staying alive. That's not what it's talking about. It's actually talking about living the life of Jesus, living the way he lived, living a successful life, an overcoming life, a happy life, a fulfilled life, a victorious life. That's the kind of life. In fact, in the context, you'll see that. Let's go back to verse 16. Look at verse 16. Let's read verse 16 and 17 together. He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. For the Jew, also the Greek. For in it, the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. So the gospel of Jesus is the power of God unto what? Salvation. Salvation, if you look up the word, it's salvation from sin, salvation from sickness, salvation from poverty and lack, salvation from fear, salvation from everything, right? So the gospel of Jesus is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who does what? Believes. Aha. Well, if salvation includes every part of our redemption, this verse is telling us that the faith of you and me, the righteous, releases the power of the gospel, causes us to partake of salvation 
and then live out the abundant life that Jesus has provided for us to live. Wow. Paul made this statement, which is the same thing as the other four verses we've just looked at. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. In the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. That is, we live by faith. We walk by faith. We breathe by faith. We have our existence by faith. Everything we do is in Him, moving, living, having our being. And so we need to be examining ourselves. Am I believing God in every area and at all times, especially when the circumstances turn awry, when things go, turn upside down in the world, am I believing God? And I, am I being the example like the Thessalonians where people see me walk with God and say, man, I can, that's how you walk by faith. Huh? Okay, I can do that. Come on. So I, I went through the scriptures because I, I wanted to zero my faith in a lot of th people talk about believing in this and believing in that and believing in yourself and having faith in your faith and all these different statements. So I thought, okay, I want to I see specifically what does the Bible tell me to have faith in? That's where I'm going to have faith. That's where I'm going to believe. So I went through and I found out from Scripture to Scripture, from Genesis to Revelations, I found out there's only six things the Bible tells me to have faith in. We all know, number one, have faith in God. Mark eleven twenty two, God said, Jesus said, have faith in God. So we're supposed to have faith in God. Number two, we're supposed to have faith in Jesus. In uh, Galatians 3, 26, in Ephesians 1, 15, in Colossians 4, other places, Paul said, I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus. He said, you are all children of God by faith in Jesus. So we know we're supposed to have faith in Jesus, faith in God and faith in Jesus. But what about this one? We're supposed to have faith in the Word. Remember over in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2, speaking about the children of Israel, it said, when the Word was preached, it did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. That means we're supposed to mix faith or believe in the Word when we heard it. Romans 10, 17, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. What comes? Faith, believing. So I'm supposed to mix my belief with the Word. I'm supposed to believe the Word when I read it. I'm supposed to believe the Word when it appears to go against everything that's happening in the world. I'm supposed to believe and act like the Word is true. Number four, God, God says have faith in the blood. In Romans chapter 3, verses 24 and 25, being freely justified uh, by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by faith in His blood. I'm supposed to have faith in the blood. Old-time Pentecostals called it pleading the blood. You may not plead the blood like old time Pentecostal. That just means you're confessing things because of your faith in the blood. You're putting your faith in what the blood has done for you. And if you're putting faith in your blood, then you're going to have protection, you're going to have uh, healing, you're going to have deliverance, you're going to have redemption because faith in the blood, the blood, life is in the blood. We're talking about the blood of Jesus, right? So we're to have faith in the blood. And then number five, we're to have faith in the name. The name of Jesus, of course, is what we're referring to. In Acts chapter 3, you know, there was a man that was born lame, crippled. Peter walks up to him and says, such as I have. By the way, this is what you have too. Every believer has this same thing. Peter said, such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ. Wise up and walk. And then in chapter 3, verse 16, Peter said it was, it was 
uh, in the name and faith in the name that made this man whole. So we're supposed to have faith in the name. And then the last thing we're supposed to have faith in that the Word of God says, and that is we're supposed to have faith in the power of God. 1 Corinthians 2.5 says, Paul, Paul said, I didn't come to you, uh, speak to you, or preach to you uh, with the wisdom of men. I came and preached in the power of God and demonstration that your faith, now watch this, this is what your faith is supposed to be in, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. Do we have faith in the power of God? So faith in God, faith in Jesus, faith in the Word, faith in the blood, faith in the name, faith in the power of God. You know, that showed me something when I saw this years ago. I said, wait a minute now. When you actually see you're to have faith in God, faith in Jesus, faith in the Word, faith in the blood, faith in the name, and faith in the power of God, it broadens your perspective of faith. Because all of a sudden you realize, wait a minute, I can receive from God a whole lot more than just entrance into heaven. People so often want to put faith off to the sweet by and by, and they want to talk about the blessings in the sweet by and by. And so they're looking for pie in the sky in the sweet by and by. Well, why not have steak on the plate while you wait? <laughs> Amen. Man, when people don't understand uh, faith that, that, and the way you can use faith, they'll downplay it. Well, I had faith in God, you know, but, you know, after I got saved, that. Faith's not important anymore. I'm, I got saved. And they'll even quote Scripture, too. You know, they'll, they'll, they think they know Scripture when they quote Scripture a lot of times. And Well, you know, faith's not important after all. You know, the Bible says, Now abides faith, hope, and love. The grace of these is love, so I'm just going to stick with love. <laughs> and, and, um, and they downplay that Scripture in 1 Corinthians 13, 13, because... It does mention love there. It mentions two other things that are obviously important for God to put them in there. So let's turn over there real quick because faith is one of the things mentioned. Your belief system. Let's look at it. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 13. And I'm going to kick over a sacred cow. I'm going to kick over this sacred cow. And then when I get done kicking this sacred cow over, I'm going to kick over another sacred cow. The second sacred cow is a bull. He, 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 he doesn't want to be kicked over, but I'm telling you, when, when he goes over today, it's going to liberate you. Let me tell you, it's going to really liberate you, so just hang on. But let's kick over this first sacred cow. The greatest of these is love. People have taken that sacred cow and said, yep, that's the greatest, so I'm just going to stick with love. And they downplay faith and they downplay hope. But I want you to look at this verse, 1 Corinthians 13, 13. Now abides, I'm reading the New King James. Now abide faith, hope. Love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Now, the word abide, if you look up the Greek word, it means it dwell or to be present. So God says there's something dwelling, there's something present with you right now. But the next thing I want you to see in this verse are the two words, these three. Everybody say these three. Notice it doesn't say this one or two of them abide. He says all Three of them abide. They're all three here. They're all three given to us by God. So if they're all three given to us by God, why would we want just one of them? When people say, well, all we need is love, they stay ignorant concerning faith and hope, and then they miss out on God's best. Faith, hope, and love, they each have their place. Love can't take the place of hope. Uh, faith can't take the place of love. Hope can't take the place of faith. 
Every one of these, in fact, I'll just give you some scriptures. Let's not turn there. Let me just quote a couple of scriptures. Ephesians 2, 8, for by grace are you saved through faith. So it sounds like faith is important, right? Luke 22, 32, um, uh, when Jesus prayed for Peter, he didn't pray his faith, uh, that his love would fail him, not fail him. He didn't pray that his hope would not. He said, I pray that your faith would not fail you. So there's two verses on faith. It means faith is important. What about hope? Well, Romans 13, or Romans 15, 13 says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all peace in believing. Hmm. That you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Sounds like hope is important. Hebrews 11, 1, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So if hope is so important that it gives substance to what you're believing, then uh, it's real important. What about love? So that's faith, that's hope. What about love? Well, 1 John 4, 8, 1 John 4, 16, God is love. What about Galatians 5, 6? Faith works by love. Sounds like love is important. We have all three of these and all these scriptures that talk about faith, talk about hope, and talk about love. Let me show you two more scriptures. I'll have you turn to these. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 1 Thessalonians 5, 8. And let's read where it talks about all three of these in context, faith, hope, and love. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 8. And it says, but let us who are of the day be sober. We're talking about of the day, meaning being children of light. You know, we've been translated out of darkness. Uh, let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. So according to this verse, we, all, we need all three of these operating in our life, right? Let's turn back. You're there in 1 Thessalonians 5. Go back to the first chapter. And let me, let me uh, show you verse 3. In fact, I'll start reading in verse 2, 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. We give thanks to God always for you, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith. You ought to underline that, th those three words, work of faith. And then labor of love, underline those three. And then patience of hope, underline those three, in our, Je in our Lord Jesus in the sight of God the Father. So this says that, your faith is supposed to be working, your love is supposed to be laboring, and your hope is supposed to be enduring. So that means clearly we need all three of these, and they're all three supposed to be working simultaneously in our life. So let's go back to 1 Corinthians 13, 13. We know they're all important. We know they're all supposed to be working at the same time. So now abides faith. Hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. So people that don't understand this verse, they want to push aside faith and hope. Well, love is the greatest, so why should I settle for second or third best, you know? Uh, but the first reason you're supposed to want all three is because God said these three, right? Not this one. You know, I liken these three uh, to the different parts of an automobile. Hope is like the engine. It can give you confidence that you can go somewhere. Faith is like the gasoline. It helps the engine take you from where you're at to where you need to go. And then love is like the frame. It holds everything together on the entire journey. Faith, hope, and love, they all work together. However, I know this verse, people quote it all the time, the greatest of these is love. And a casual reader might think that the word greatest means most important. That's the way it's been preached. So I'm going to kick over this sacred cow that is not what is being said here. 
it can't mean that this is more important and that we don't need the other two as it's been taught. Uh, it must be, mean something else. So I looked up the word greatest. It's the Greek word mitazone, and it means larger, specifically in age or elder. Larger, specifically in age or elder. The best way that I can describe this word to you, mitazone, uh, meaning that love is the elder, larger in age and elder, is to use 1 John 4, 8, 1 John 4, 16, that says God is love. Well, we know God, who is love, is the elder or the older. Uh, it doesn't say God is faith. It doesn't say God is hope. It says God is love. That means love then was here from the beginning of time, um, before faith was ever used, before hope ever came into existence, love is the greater, it's, it's the elder, it's larger in age. But this, when you look at this in 1 Corinthians here, it, see, I don't, I don't want to downplay uh, love here because obviously it's important, but this shows me that faith and hope are important and have their place as well. And my purpose in pointing this out is people that say, well, you know, Love's important. I'm just going to stick with that. They downplay that faith and hope have their place and that we need all three of them operating in our lives to walk and live by faith. And we're supposed to be living by faith, aren't we? The just shall live by faith. Live my marriage. Live my physical body. Live my, my finances. In every area, I'm supposed to be living and walking by faith. So I wanted to kick over that sacred cow, but we're going to kick over a second one here. Let's turn over Galatians chapter 5 and verse number 6. Galatians 5, 6. And this cow, like I said, he's more of a bull. He doesn't like to be kicked over, but he's going down today. Uh, he went down the first service. He's going down this service. And uh, he went down in agony. Man, he was crying. <laughs> But that's all right because you're going to come out laughing and smiling happier than ever when you find out uh, this is going to cause your faith to explode when you, when you get this sacred cow kicked over uh, in your life. Your faith is just going to take off. Your, I've, I've had a number of people now when they've heard me teach on this where they were believing God for certain things, some of them believing for some healing, and they'd had everybody pray for them, lay hands on them, and they'd, they'd done everything they knew to do. And and they just couldn't get healed. And when they got this revelation, all of a sudden, pff, their faith worked and they got healed. Other people that were believing for finances, other people believing for other areas. And it's just their faith exploded, became active and operative. And, and it just started working for them when they got this simple truth uh, about faith. The end of Galatians 5, 6 says, faith works by love. This has been interpreted to mean that if you don't walk in love your faith will not work. And I know it's been interpreted that because I preached it for years. And many of my preacher friends, pastors and uh, prophets, evangelists, apostles, different ones, we've all preached it for years. But when I actually was taught this of the Lord, I never heard anybody else preach this. Now I've heard it since then. But when the Lord showed me this, I'd never, I was not taught by man. I was taught by the Lord. And he said, uh, you say that this is talking about you walking in love for your faith to work, and that's not what this particular verse is saying at all. Wow. 
And then I want you to think now, I'm going to pull on your, your, um, your intellect. God gave you a brain to think with. God did say renew your mind, not remove your mind. <laughs> so we are supposed to think. So I'm going to, I'm going to pull on your thinking here. So this has been interpreted, uh, well, if you don't walk in love, your faith's not going to work. All right, so if faith won't work because someone's not walking in love, then how could a person get saved? Does that mean that every sinner needs to learn to walk in love before their faith is going to work? <laughs> I think not. What about, what about the numerous, I'm talking numerous scriptures where people used faith to receive miracles and healings and deliverance and forgiveness and not one of those verses of scripture say anything about them and their love walk. Not one of them. And I could give you many examples. I'll give you a few. Remember in Mark chapter 5, the woman with the issue of blood that came to Jesus, she took hold of the power of God. Jesus said, daughter, your Love walk has really increased and now you can be healed. No, he didn't say anything about her love walk. He said, your faith has made you whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. That's Mark chapter 5. What if you jump to Mark chapter 10 where blind Bartimaeus is begging and Jesus walks by and he calls out, have mercy on me. And Jesus said, what do you want? I want my sight. Okay, according to your faith, be it unto you. He didn't say, well, blind Bartimaeus, I'm sure glad while you've been sitting there begging all these years, you finally learned to walk in love. He said, no, your faith. What about in Matthew 9? Remember where those two blind men that they heard Jesus walk by and they followed him to his house? Two blind men followed Jesus to Jesus' house. Most people don't even know Jesus had a house. But anyway, they followed Jesus to his house and they went in and Jesus said, what do you want me to do? We want our sight. Okay, as you have believed. In other words, according to your faith, and they were healed, made whole. Didn't say anything about learning to walk in love before they were healed. Okay, so all three of those examples in Mark 5, Mark 10, Matthew 9 that I just quoted, those are all part of the children of Israel. They're all Israelites. They're part of the family of God. So you can say, okay, well, that's why they got it. But what about, let's talk about a couple of sinners. Let's talk about in Matthew 15, also the same story in Mark 7, where the Syrophoenician woman. The Greek woman, the Canaan woman, whichever gospel you read, they say different things. So this woman, who's a rank sinner, not born again. In fact, she's out of the commonwealth of Israel with no hope, no God in the world without Christ. And yet she takes hold with her faith, the power of God, so much so that Jesus says, woman, great is your faith. He didn't say, Boy, I'm sure glad you learned to walk in love so your faith would work. And then what about one more? Let me use another sinner. What about in Matthew, the eighth chapter, the centurion? Let me tell you, he did not walk in love. He walked in hate toward Christians, this centurion. So he comes to Jesus, and he obviously, by the way, if you've ever studied centurion, they were well off financially which means he had all the resources necessary to get his servant healed. He probably tried all the physicians, the doctors, the medications, everything. He tried all of that already, and the Bible said his servant was lying at home, paralyzed and grievously tormented. That means in body and in mind. Not just tormented and, and paralyzed and the part that wasn't paralyzed in pain, but also emotional stress and pain. And So he's a mess. 
And this man comes and said, okay, I've tried everything else, Jesus. I'm not trying anything else. Not, all I want now is your word, and I'm not listening to the doctors anymore. I'm not listening to the world anymore. I'm just zeroing in on your word, and your word is it. Whatever you say, that's it. Because, and he explained his faith, because I understand authority. If I submit to your authority like my servants submit to mine, when they submit to my authority, whatever I say comes to pass. I'm submitting to your authority. Whatever you say comes to pass. Jesus said, Whoa, I have not found this great of faith in my whole nation. In all my people, nobody's operating in this great of faith. Hmm. So, so here's two sinners that operated in faith without understanding anything about love. Turn, turn back to 1 Corinthians 13. I'm not going to go back to the same verse this time. We're going to read a couple other verses. Let me show you something. 1 Corinthians 13, and we're going to go to verse 1. Is anybody getting anything? 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1, uh, he says this. Well, I'm waiting. I see a couple of you turning, so I'll wait real quick. Um, <laughs> wait real quick. How do you wait real quick? I don't know, but it sounds good. I guess I'll wait while you're being real quick or something. Anyway, verse 1. 1 Corinthians 13, 1, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels. So tongues of men would be English, Spanish, French, whatever tongue you're speaking. Tongues of angels would be a heavenly tongue, so one that you wouldn't understand in the English language. Uh, so he says, though I speak with the tongues of men or the tongues of heaven, but have not love, I'm become a sounding brass or a clanking cymbal. Verse 2. And though I have the gift of prophecy, understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains, but have not love, it amounts to nothing. Verse 3. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. So I'm going to ask you a question. Let's go back to verse 1. This is not a trick question. You just answer according to the verse, all right? Can... Can I or you or anybody speak with a known tongue, the tongues of men, or an unknown tongue, a heavenly tongue? Could you do that and not do it in love? I see everybody shaking their head. Well, yeah, I can talk in English or I can talk in tongues and not walk in love. Well, okay, yeah, I just want you to see that is true. It's a true statement in verse 1 that you could actually speak in your known language or a heavenly language but still not be exercising love. All right, let's look at verse 3 and see if verse 3 is true. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Not the zilcho zero. No, not going to profit me anything. But, but I did it. In other words, my question for verse 3, could you give all your goods away to the poor, and could you even have your body to be burned, but not do it in love? Absolutely. All of us agree with that. So verse 1 is true and verse 3 is true. I guess that would mean the verse in between would be true. <laughs> the verse in between says, though I have faith that I can remove mountains. That is just as true as verse 1 and just as true as verse 3. You've got to be able to use faith to be able to remove mountains even though you may not be what people call walking in love. Now you may not get the Credit for it because you're not walking in love, but I wanted you to see just as true as verse 1, just as true as verse 3, you can remove a mountain with faith and not be walking in love. Now let's go back and kick this bull over. 
Go back to Galatians 5. Galatians chapter 5. Galatians 5, verse 6. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision, in other words, keeping the law, the Jewish law of being circumcised, nor uncircumcision, in other words, not keeping the law, so either keeping the law or not keeping the law, avails anything. In other words, it has nothing to do with your salvation. But faith working through love. So I looked up, faith, of course, King James says faith works by love. The New King James faith works through love. I looked up that Greek word, and you can translate it either way. It actually denotes the channel of an act. So through is even better than using the word by, just for understanding purposes. So faith uh, has the, chan the channel through which faith works is love. Faith works through the channel. Now, the word works here is the Greek word energase, which means it becomes active or becomes operative. So, uh, so faith is activated or faith is operative through love. But now my question is, is that faith active and operative through you walking in love or is that faith active and operative through God's love to you? In other words, is faith operative because you love or is it faith operative because God loves? Hmm. I heard of you say God's love. That's right. A person's faith can work and a person can be saved not because they've learned how to walk in love, not even because they understand the breadth and length and depth and, and height of God's love. The, listen, the scripture says we love him because he what? First loved us. Listen, I'm not downplaying the importance of Christians walking in love. That's a whole nother series you could teach on, and, and you'd get so much benefit from doing that. But what I'm trying to do is help you understand why your faith can work. And, and like the Apostle Paul said, help you perfect that which is lacking in your faith. You see, if Christians think, oh my gosh, if I don't walk in a certain degree of love, then my faith's not going to work. Guess what? Their faith won't work, but it won't be because they're because of their love walk, it'll be because they've gotten into works instead of faith and grace. You know, there was this minister I, I shared with the first service. There was this minister, uh, acquaintance of ours. I wasn't a close friend, but I knew him. I'd done some meetings with him, and he traveled the world. He was an evangelist, had great miracles and stuff happen under his ministry, but he got attacked with cancer, and he thought it was his love walk. The devil convinced him. You know, the devil used scripture that you don't understand to, to keep you bound. He, he used scripture against Jesus to try and bind Jesus. Jesus didn't yield to it. But this minister started calling everybody, including me, because he was very crass and very almost rude and came across hard. He, if you got to know him, he had a heart of love and was a wonderful person. But he just came across as very rude and crass. And, and so he knew he had offended a lot of people, and so he called me up. I wasn't offended. I never took offense at anything. I, I refused to be offended at anything. Uh, great peace of they which love the word, and nothing shall offend them. Psalm 119, verse 165. So I just, I, you can't offend me. You can call me stupid, ugly, whatever. You can call me anything, and I'll just love you some more. I mean, I may want to hit you, but I won't. <laughs> That's just my flesh wanting to rise up. But I'll love you. I'll love you no matter what. So anyway, this guy called me, and then I talked to some other pastors around the country, and he had called them too, and he was just repenting, and, saying, and he just was trying to get, get all this stuff cleaned up. In other words, trying to work something to get his healing. 
instead of go ahead and receive the love of God that your faith works by his love, not by you walking in love. So he ended up dying from the cancer because he didn't get a hold of that. And a long time before that, and God just used that example to me, but a long time before that when the Lord actually taught me Galatians 5, 6, what it really meant, I never heard it taught by anybody else. I, the first time I taught it in a camp meeting, it was actually with another preacher. He and I were doing the camp meeting together at this church. And when I taught this, the pastor and that other preacher looked, like, looked at me like, this is heresy. <laughs> How can you preach that faith, what do you mean not, that not talking about faith working by us walking in love? Yes, we have to walk in love for our faith to work. But God showed me, and this is what the Lord told me. He said, Larry, what you've done is you've taken this verse and this last part of this verse out of context, just like you blame your denominational brethren. Boy, that was a low blow. Because, <laughs> you know, many of us, you probably, a lot, a lot of you like me, I came out of the denominational church, and, and that, that was one thing we said. Well, you know, they take stuff out of context. They just, you know, take a statement out and try and build false doctrine. And now here God is telling me, Larry, you've done the same thing. Me, I'm not talking about everybody else. Maybe everybody else that preaches has done the same thing, but God was put, stepping on my toes. He said, you have taken this verse out of context and made it say something it's not saying. So then I read the context. So let's go back to verse 1, and I'm going to show you what it says here. Now, if you read uh, up to this uh, fifth chapter, he has gotten all over them. And this, in fact, it's a wonderful book to, to read Galatians. But he's gotten all over them about, you guys, man, don't get... Don't, you got liberated by, by the word of God. You got liberated by what Jesus did. Don't go back under the law and get bound again. Don't get bound. And so he says this in verse 1 here. He says, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made you free, and don't be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Listen, I say to you, if you become circumcised, Christ profits you nothing. And I'm going to tell you again in verse 3, he says, if you become circumcised, then you are now a debtor to keep the whole law. Hmm, wow, you know James chapter 2 verse 10 says, whoever keeps the whole law and yet offends in one point is guilty of the whole thing. You know there wasn't just 10 commandments, there were 613 commandments. And if you kept the law just one, okay, well, you know, you got to be circumcised. Well, you know, you got to walk in love for your faith to work. You know, you got to tithe. You got to do this. You got to do that, or your faith's not going to work. You're now a debtor to keep the whole law. You're going to have to keep all 613. And let me tell you, no man except Jesus has ever done it, so you will not be able to do it. But now, when you think you have to keep this one, you're a debtor to the whole law. Now, you got to keep the whole thing. And that's going to shut your faith off that quick because he goes on to say you have become a look at verse 4 you become disconnected from Christ you who are attempted to be justified by the law by the law you have actually fallen from grace wow what a statement verse 5 for we through the spirit eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith not by keeping a bunch of do's and don'ts not by the law he says this for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision, keeping the law, nor uncircumcision, not keeping the law, avails anything, amounts to anything. Why? Faith works through love. So you can see in context that in Christ, faith has its energy 
or becomes active because of God's love, not because of us keeping the law, which would then explain why people can get saved, people can get healed, people can get a miracle from God by putting their faith in God, even they, though they may know nothing about walking in love. When you got saved, when I got saved, we got saved by grace through faith. We use faith to receive God's grace, and it had nothing to do with us walking in love. Man, our faith become, became active because of God loving us. Man, I hope this is helping you. Because when people get a hold of this, no longer, the, well, I got I to, man, I got to do, I got to make sure, I got to study more because, you know, this is my faith. I got to pray more. I, I got to do that. I got to quit doing that. I got to quit. And, and the devil's got you running every which way. Got you so bound into doing this and doing that, not doing that, and doing that. And, and then you're wondering why your faith's not working because now you're a debtor to the whole law. You've fallen from grace. And by grace are you saved through faith. And look up the word saved. It's the Greek word sozo, saved, delivered, preserved, healed, made whole. It's all part of salvation in every area of your life by grace through faith. And grace is based on what Jesus has already done for you. God so loved the world, he gave Jesus. You got saved by grace from sin. That's how you get saved from sickness, by faith. By faith, by grace, are you saved from sin through faith. By grace, are you saved from sickness through faith. By grace, are you saved through, from financial problems through faith. It's all by grace through faith and grace. All points to what God has done for you, what Jesus did for you at the cross. has nothing to do with you except that God loves you and so when he gets to here and he says your faith will work because God loves you takes all the restraints off I'm no longer bound by anything that will stop my faith from working my faith which was first of all a gift from God <laughs> so God gave me the faith and then he gave me his love by which it, it becomes active and operative. Wow. Talk about freedom. So then no matter how many times you've missed it, because you're going to, <laughs> no matter how much you've done or not done or how much you've done wrong or anything else, you're never going to get to the point where God doesn't love you. Never. There's nothing you can do to stop him from loving you which means your faith will work. Wow. My faith works because God loves me. Oh, I can be healed because God loves me. Oh, I, yeah, I, I'll pay off my mortgage because God loves me. Oh, oh, yeah, that, oh, yeah, I know, that may seem impossible, but God loves me. <laughs> yeah. If you can believe, all things are possible. Believe what? Believe God loves me. And for us under the new and better covenant, believe that it's already been done, everything that we need. Peter put it this way, God has given you all things that pertain to your life and living godly. It's all through the knowledge of Jesus, what Jesus has already done. So that's where I'm supposed to stop this morning. I've got a whole lot more that I'm going to get out tonight. There's there's like a, another ingredient that people need to see that I'm going to share this evening. And it's going to cause your 
faith in the next 12 months. You're, I mean, for me, the next 12 months are going to be the best 12 months of my life. And they can be for you. You, you make that decision. Bless God, the next 12 months are going to be my best 12. And you'll just find your faith just being released so easily, no, nothing holding it back anymore. Why? God loves me. But no, I'm not, I'm not talking about, you know, now I'm not going to walk with God because it doesn't matter what I do. I'll just live in sin. No, I'm not talking. Listen, the more you find out how much God loves you, the more you walk free from sin. It's just, it's just truth, man. It's just like the more, more I find out God loves me, man, the more, it more makes me not want to sin because God is so good. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Was this all right this morning? Man, I can't wait to just hear about your faith uh, exploding and working these next 12 months to see what God does in your life because your faith works because of God's love for you. You know, when we put out that um, Love Scriptures, our newest recording, Scripture recording, when we put that out, uh, I was actually in the studio. No, I take it back. It was before I went in the studio when I was actually writing down all the verses that I was going to be quoting in the studio. And I just spent a lot of time on my face before the Lord and going through the Scriptures and stuff. And every Scripture that I felt the Lord take me to, I would write it down, and then I'd write another one down, and I just felt like the Lord would lead me to different scriptures, and I just wrote them down. And then before I went into the studio, I was looking at it and, and going over them, and I realized, I thought, now this is, this is going to take me maybe an hour and 20 minutes or so to quote all these scriptures, because I, you know, those of you that have gotten my scripture recordings, whether it's the health or wealth or wisdom or peace or whatever subject you've gotten, I quote a lot of different translations. And so when I was reading it, I thought, you know what? I'm going to get halfway through this. I'm going to get, wow, I'm going to get halfway through an hour and 20 minute recording. And I'm not even going to get to a scripture that talks about how much you're supposed to love other people. The first half of the recording of 120 minutes, the first half was all about how much God loves you. All different verses, never repeating the same verse, all different verses about God's love for you and how much he loves you. And how it could never separate you. And that's when it really dawned on me, wow. This, God, wants, God wants us to get a hold of the revelation of how much he loves us first. So that our faith works. And then know how much he loves us to, to love through us. That's two. You got to receive his love for you. So you can love others the way he loves you. <laughs> 